Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Sophomore year in high school, four of us wanted to start a group. I got in the car and I got, guys, I, I got the name for our band, Armored Saint. We pretty much identified with Armored Saint right away. We became instant friends. And people that don't know the L.A. scene, we're talking still early 80s here, you know. It was very glam. The fact that they had, you know, they had uniforms. And Armored Saint kind of had a more of a, you know, medieval road warrior look. We were not Hollywood, as I'm sure of that. They would sit around and talk about, you know, Metallica and those smelly motorhead t-shirts and why they never washed. You know, it felt good. These agents are like, you're not even on stage. And they're like, hey, we love your band. Here's my card. Thanks. Let me go dry up. place was packed for Armored Saint. It's not like people were waiting for Metallica to come on. The place was full when Saint came on. It's Armored Saint, but none of us are saints. Phil just got up, kicked the chair off the stage and started playing with a cast on his leg. We just wanted to be rock. We were all very naive. I just saw myself from Insane and complimented by the fact that they wanted me to, to join Metallica, but I was like, but I, I, I love my band. I don't think that we were ever very um, keen on how anything worked in the music industry at all. And I'm starting to shoot the guys and the sun's going down. And all of a sudden I looked at the guys and they had this terrorized look in their face. I'm like, guys, what's wrong? Neil, there's three guys with shotguns walking towards us in our direction. I'm like, just shut up, just keep shooting. You know, I, I'd never really been anywhere in my life. So to get on a plane and go to Europe, it's kind of like when, when the Beatles came to America, they came, uh, all their heroes from there. Well, for us, it was the opposite. All our heroes were from Europe. I was really happy for Armored Saint 2 on that record because it was one of these universal, like every review was amazing. Like the, just the buzz on that record from the whole metal community was really great. My main recollection of, of Armored Saint at the time was just that they were different. They were different than all the other bands in, in, in LA and Hollywood. Armored Saint is a rock band, sure, but Armored Saint is also a sport. Because in order to be an Armored Saint, you've got to have the energy to pump it up every single night. I think that there's always been this loyalty to Armored Saint, and I think we could probably attribute that back to our childhood. I was yes. I mean, with Armored Saint, with me, it's always yes. Always. There's no doubt the main factor that Armored Saint has that most other bands don't is the brotherhood. Who would want to be an Armored Saint? Armored Saint is numero uno. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 530. Set to have its world premiere this May 23 at the Harmony Gold Theatre in Los Angeles is Armored Saint, a band of brothers, a documentary that tells the story of legendary heavy metal band Armored Saint in their journey from high school in El Sereno, Los Angeles, to the world stage where for over 40 years to have rocked the heavy metal masses. Featuring interviews with members of Metallica, Anthrax, Queensryche and more, 
Armoured Saint, a band of brothers, delves into the highs and lows of a heavy metal brotherhood that was forged in steel and remains unbreakable. And joining me now is the director of Armoured Saint, a band of brothers, Mr. Russell Cherryton. Russell, how are you today? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. That was a very lovely introduction. I'm going to remember that for a long time. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And for everyone out there, you can go to Eventbrite right now because um, you can actually buy tickets for the premiere of Armored Saint. I'll put the link in the show notes so everyone can check it out. So if you're in that area, if you're in Los Angeles or you're a big Armored Saint fan and you want to watch the, the war premiere of this documentary, um, click on the link that I have for you and you can buy tickets there for the um, premiere. And I know for yourself, Russell, this has been a long time coming. I know that um, the documentary has been uh, done for a little while. You were editing it for a, quite some time. Um, you had some film festival kind of like appearances here and there, but this is like the big premiere, right? I mean, what's it like for yourself or having worked on on this story, which is on this documentary, which has very much been a labor of love for you. You've been working on this alongside yourself being a teacher and also like, all the other kind of filmmaking duties you do. I mean, to finally have it ready to come out and also in the epicenter of Armored Saint territory as well to have its world premiere. I'm sure it's going to be very <laughs> exciting for you. Yeah, it, it's a it's a kind of like pinch yourself moment because every even though Hollywood is Hollywood, you still dream of showing your film there. So to have its world premiere where all the people that helped make it are based, you know, on the band themselves, it's like it's like a fantastic thing. And even having a party afterwards at the Rainbow Bar and Grill is like an amazing thing if you like music. So to show it there, yeah, it feels like this is the right thing to do, showing the film there and everybody coming and celebrating it, bringing, you know, trying to get Netflix, Amazon, BBC to come and watch it at the same time, you know, distribution people. Everybody asks me all the time, when am I going to see the film? Well, this coming Tuesday, we'll know more of how and when people are going to see the film because, you know, because we're doing, we're doing a screening in America to like a, a, a wonderful, amazing audience. So, yeah, so... That, that that's exciting <clears throat> I, I you know when i get there i'll, I'll absolutely know it, it'll be a really good thing so yeah when it comes to armored saint themselves the band the guys in the band you actually go way back with um joey vera don't you i think um i read that um way back when when you're a heavy metal teen reading kerrang magazines you pretty much almost started you pretty much started a pen pal kind of relationship with him didn't you well i kind of the reason I did this is because uh, when I was super young, uh, I kind of read a magazine called Kerrang! And I wrote to them in 1983-84, uh, because there, were, there was a thing called Armed and Dangerous, and a little column in there, and it had a picture of them. And, and I used to kind of like send off a band demo tapes via this. So I, I wrote to Metallica and lots of bands early on. <clears throat> and I sort of almost became like a kind of pen pal with John and Joey, sending things and, you know, and all those uh, English fans were so expectant that they might come to Europe, that we kept mm. getting excited and they never came, we kept getting excited and never came. And then eventually they showed up in uh, 1991 and I went to the Marquee Club in London, saw them, hang, hung out with them and sort of solidified that pen pal thing into more of something and then me and joey just stayed in touch and when the band stopped 
we we kind of met up in London, me, Joey, and his wife, Tracy. We'd go out for dinner and go out for drinks. And and then I ended up uh, directing a, a film for a bank called Fates Warning, A Pleasant Shade of Grey concept film. So I, I kind of had this symmetry with him, and I would see him all over, see their shows, see Joey in Fates Warning, see just in a kind of like musicality way. <clears throat> and, yeah, we're... You know, he just had his birthday recently. You know, we don't call each other friends anymore. We call each other old friends. <clears throat> because that's what, that's what you are eventually with somebody when you've known them, you know, for almost 40 years. Yeah. When did the idea of a documentary come about? Has that been something you kind of like had in mind for the band for a while? Or was it something that Joey brought up? How did it all kind of like the idea kind of mutate into something that we're going to, you know, so many people are going to see next week? Yeah, right. So there's two sides to the story. So I made a film called Nightbreed the Cabal Cup. And when that finished, I started work on the, uh, an adaptation of a Clyde Barker short story called Jacqueline S. And I got it all the way to $3 million of funding. I got, I cast it. I had it ready to go. I, I did test shoots, did everything. And it kind of, about a month from production, collapsed. You know, people ask for more money. It just collapsed, like films sometimes do. And I kind of brushed myself off and thought, I'm not doing that again to myself. It really is stressful, you know, when you work so hard on a feature. And I kind of thought, right, I'm going to make something that I want to make, that I can control, that nobody can interfere with. And and it kind of corresponded that they were going to tour Europe, and I and I had you know like when you have the light bulb moment, it came on one day, and I went, yes, they've got an amazing story. Things happen to them, you know. There's tragedy, there's happiness, there's rebirth, there's friendship, there's a bad guy, there's everything, right? So I thought it's a no-brainer. So I created like a little pack uh, of my idea went off to see them in Birmingham in the UK, took it, gave one to each band member. After the gig, they said, do it. So mm. I just started doing it. And that was late 2017. And, and then obviously I had to put stuff into play and then, you know, like do lots of research, become the kind of most knowledgeable person in the world on, on their history. And, and we decided to make it. And because, like you said before, I... I I'm an academic 24 weeks of the year. I also direct lots of music videos for the A to Z of British rock bands. You know, I'm like their go-to guy, you know, so I do that. And I basically uh, did it in, uh, you know, I jokingly say I did it in the, you know, when I wasn't teaching. So, and I would take some people that I've known since I was at film school, then I would take some graduates and I'd involve a couple of students so they'd get the experience. I took the kind of kids with long hair and looked like they were into rock music on these adventures to see Metallica and loads of other bands. So it was a, it was the, the, ex, the sort of shooting of it took 18 months, two years. And then and bang on finishing shooting it, I went to uh, San Francisco to interview Lars from Metallica like days before we got shut down for COVID. So bang, mm. last interview, what, and then I flew home and then the world shut down. So I had this time to like start thinking about, you know, the edit of the film, how it was going to be constructed. And then when the world sort of allowed 
in our country more than two people to be together i got my editor jimmy to come and down and we would do like four or five days at a time on the edit and we edited 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 it for about it took about 18 months two years and then obviously you get notes back from the band what they do and don't like and uh, the film was about three hours 30 minutes long initially and then it basically uh, came down from there so yeah yeah anyway at the end of that bit yeah it's really interesting about the, the documentaries that, you know, a lot of music documentaries, um, a lot of them can become just a, a game of, like, interview heads and, like, just a lot of, a lot of like, question-answer kind of stuff. What okay. you really wanted to do for your documentary for the Armored Saint guys is, like, you really wanted to tell a story. You want to tell their story. And their story is very thematic. Like you said, there's all these different qualities to the story. There's life, there's death, there's this this enduring kind of friendship that started when they were teenagers all the way to now, it's quite remarkable, actually, when you think about it. I can't think of any other bands that have lasted so long where there was a core there, um, with, with the exception of the of the guitar player who passed away, like, in the early 90s. I mean, everyone's still in the band. I mean, when you were putting the film together, how important was it for you to make sure that a story was told that what people are watching is, yes, is a documentary, yes, is a kind of like a, a chronicle, but you want to make sure that there was actually storytelling behind that as well. And when doing the editing, how important was that in the editing process to bring all that together? Well, initially, my goal on that was, I think my favourite music film is Running Down a Dream, the Tom Petty film. Mm. Right, because I, I just find it like proper narrative storytelling with, within a music documentary. And then what, what you learn is I, I constructed the narrative in the research. So the questions went from them being eight years old to them now. And, and I kind of weaved it through that almost like I was writing chapters of a book for the questions. So I did that. But then what I discovered through doing it, and it came out in the narrative, I discovered that the, it was almost like a, a Star Wars thing, like we had the good guy, we had the bad guy, we had the... Because the music industry is full of good and bad and, and wild people that almost like live in the mountains in the desert and never come out and, and then this idiosyncratic stuff. And so I knew that I had a great story for the band. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made the film because if they were just, you know, five guys that nothing happened to them, there'd be no point. But because it went on so many cycles and also... But about this band, there's always been so many myths about them. All the, these stories about John Bush nearly joined Metallica, Joey nearly joined Metallica, this happened. So, and, and I'm sure that they got sick of those questions when they get asked. So I thought I'd do the definitive part of that, the definitive story of them and, and what happened. And, and one of the great moments in my film, it's like a non-spoiler thing, is there's a Metallica chapter near the end. It's so joyous. You know, when you see it, you'll, you'll feel the joy. You'll feel the joy from Metallica. You'll feel the joy from the band. And you'll you just, you just understand that some bands get incredibly lucky like Metallica and become this stadium entity. And some, and some bands like Armour saying just remain at the same level, but they have fans all over the world. People love them. And, 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 and it's all those reasons why, why the film works. But it has got a proper narrative. 
And I think because I am a narrative filmmaker, you know, I don't make documentaries all the time. I write feature films. I make stuff like that. But I, I'm so musically inclined. I, you know, like I've got so much music. I think music is my first love and film is my second love. Art is my third love and literature is my fourth love. But they're all, they all fuse together in what you do anyway. But, yeah, so I think that the outcome is, is really well told. And, and I did the thing where I watched 20 music documentaries. And I, and I was, like, gleeful when I watched them, going, my film's easily, you know, like, got the same story, or it's got a, it's got a better story, or it's got loads of interest. And so I, so I know that about it. And I, I know from the, you know, the people that have seen it through, like, close proximity to it, that everybody's engaged with it and so the film started off about three and a half hours long it's about two hours 15 minutes long now so there's another 50 odd minutes for the blu-ray and dvd special features of uh of the other stories so which you know i otherwise i would have had to show it in two parts it had been like a tv series so i had to get it down so it was watchable but all this stuff that's in the 50 odd minutes that would go on a Blu-ray or DVD are really special as well. So yeah, it is, it is a, a movie, and it's not, it's not, it's got funny moments, but it it isn't like a mockumentary like the Anvil film. It's more like Tom Petty's running down a dream, but it's about uh, you know that band of friends, and like you said, they met when they were sort of eight years old, living in Pasadena. You know, uh, Joey, John, Gonzo and Phil knew each other all the way. Then Dave Pritchard joined. And then, you know, when and he was a year younger than them. And then when he passed, you know, in 1989-90, what happened after that is that a, a guy joined that had been friends with them since about 1984. And he, he's been the new guy since 1989. You know, and, and they've only had one member change in 40 years of being a band. It's amazing, like you said, yeah. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. The interesting thing about Armored Saint as well is that, you know, for myself, my introduction to the band was when John started singing for Anthrax. I was a, I was a big Anthrax fan. And when I, was, when I saw John Bush was a new replaced Joey Bolladon, I was like, oh, who's this guy? And then I did, did my background and I looked into that band. And then, you know, 
you know, listen to their material and I become a fan of them. And it always seemed like that there's there's always like this kind of nine degrees of separation between them and all these other kind of metal giants. You talked about Metallica, there's all there's Anthrax. I know that um I think I think Joey played with Helmet for a little bit. I think maybe I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, you talked about the Fates warning thing as well, and all this all this stuff that's kind of connected to the band. Um, and you get a lot of these people in the movie to talk about them from these bands. You get Scott Ian from Anthrax, you have James and Lars from uh, Metallica, you have um, guys from Queensryche, you have Cliff Bernstein, who's like the who their first manager, who's now like this big mega manager for uh, Metallica and such. Um, getting these guys on on camera to talk about Armored Saint, um, what was that process like for you? Because um, from what I can gather about the band, they seem to be a band that's really well liked all of these years. They're a band because of their brotherhood they had with one another. Um, they always they also forged those loyalties with the people that they've grown up with all this time. And no matter how big the bands around and have gotten, um, they've always stayed um, at a really good. Uh, friendship with these guys all this time. So when you approach a Lars Ulrich or a James Hetfield or or a Scott Ian, um, is it as simple as just saying, um, and saying, and they're like, yep, we'll do it? Or does it take a little more on your end to make sure you can get them on board to um, to, to be in the movie? Yeah, okay. So all those people, you're right, they're their friends. And John did sing in Anthrax, and that is part of the film. And, uh, you know, John, you know, I just want to say, as much as he's my friend, he's one of the greatest singers in his genre. Agreed. I mean, the, yes. man, the man can sing. He can sing what other people can't sing. And it, and it comes from down here. And, he's, and the, one of the greatest gifts I've ever had is listening to John warm up where he's backstage and he sounds like he's on stage. You know, he's that loud. He's like a PA system. You know, and when... Uh, He's singing Judas Priest delivering the goods before he goes on side stage. He's like, yes, thank you. I, I love every second of, of, of that. And I can see why Anthrax wanted him. And mm. and he is friends with Anthrax. And, and Joey played in Anthrax for a while. You know, and yeah, they're, they're, they're highly thought of by all those musicians. And, you know, Queen's right thing, I'm saying, oh, the perfect band to play with them. You know, they take them on every tour all the time. You know, and 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 they're just yeah. You're right. You know, the reason they're doing the Wasp tour is because Blackie loves them. Everybody loves them, but they're a scary prospect for a headliner because you have them open for you, and they're monsters, and they yeah. destroy the room. And I've seen it. I've seen them destroy rooms. You know, and they go off stage, and I wouldn't want to go on afterwards. You know, but it, it's part of the fun of rock and roll. But yeah, so getting those people. Well, okay, so tracking down Metallica is bloody hard because they're now megastars and every second of minute of their day is kind of structured when they're on tour or whatever. But mm. they wanted to do it. Now, in my film, I think James is a gift to me. He's so beautiful, a human being, and what he says and his laughter and his infection. I love every time he comes on screen, you know, and... And that interview was gold. You know, I, I did it backstage at one of their gigs when they were going to play to 60,000 people. And, and I was supposed to have this strict 30 minutes and he did an hour and 20. You know, he, he, like I said, he was a gift and he was a lovely man in that. And uh, Metallica make you feel like family, you know. And I've been watching Metallica since 1984. So, so I, you know, and then Lars... 
I kind of had to chase Lars round more. Maybe he's got more of a thing going on where he knows more people. I think James just does the gig and does his own thing. I think Lars knows more musicians, friends, talks to people, hangs out, stuff like that. So I kept getting bumped. So I got bumped about three times when they were in Europe. And I wasn't having it. So I kept just... Uh, emailing Justin who looks after them at Q Prime, emailing them, emailing them and then Justin said, Lars has got a day in San Francisco, this is the day, I booked a flight I went, I got my American camera guy and I just went and did it and you know, and Lars turned up and he said oh did I mess you around and I said yeah you did but I'm here now <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed and I said don't do it again and we just laughed some more and then we did the interview and then, and, and, and then you've got it you, you've kind of like, when you got them scott Hean came to my house and uh, did the interview because they were playing bloodstock festival in the uk anthrax which is about 12 miles from my house so he came to my house for the afternoon and uh, that was really sweet of him to do that and you know and and we did the interview and it's great and then todd and eddie were really keen to do it i had lots of other people you couldn't factor in like alice in chains other bands but if I'd have done that, I'd have had a 10-hour movie. It would have just mm. got bigger and bigger and bigger. So it had to stay concise. So, yeah, Cliff Bernstein did it. Cliff Bernstein is, is like you say, is this Uber manager. And there's a really funny story in the film about when the band first met him and he turned up at the front door and they thought it was some guy delivering something. They didn't realise it was one of the world's top managers. They tried to get rid of him because they thought that the manager was going to turn up with his briefcase and it was a guy with like a Tower Records bag. So it's kind of, there's loads of stories about these, you know, and when I met him, he was, he was, he was open and kind, you know, Ron Fair, that's one of the big, won about five Grammy awards. He discovered Armored Saint, he's in it. He came to see me in Nashville last year to talk about his thoughts and things. That was wonderful as well. So I, I actually have met all these people that you don't get to meet. Neil Slozvar, you know, the photographer, you know, the guy that did the Van Halen album covers, he's in the film. He's amazing. He's showing me Van Halen photos in his studio. I'm going, really? You know, yeah. It's kind of like that. You, you, even I, I'm a, I'm, I consider myself a musicologist. I love music. And meeting these people was super interesting. But they all met me and took part in the film because they loved it. And, um, and the, you know, like lots of these people are coming to the premiere. So that's fantastic as well. You know, they're flying in to come and watch the movie. It's, it's, it's a gift. But, you know, like, like you said, I'm saying are loved by all these bands and everybody knows that they're brilliant. But, like, it just goes that way for some bands. Some bands get bigger, some bands stay the same. You know, some bands split up. Some bands, you know, continue. I think Armour's saying our band uh, will continue as long as they can because of the friendship, you know. And, and I see the friendship, and, and I'm lucky enough to be part of that friendship. You know, I, it's a huge... I think when I introduce a film in L.A., I'm going to say I made this film because I love these guys, and, yeah. and their story's amazing, and, and I do. I, you know, I, I, when I go to L.A., I, I'm arranging lunch... Me, you know, to hang out and talk about things as well as have the premiere. It's like we'll do social stuff too. And, you know, I know whenever they tour, I go watch them and I have a great time as well. But, you know, like I said, I, I do 
think that when you feel something for a band that you do better work. That's my theory anyway. Final question. Um, you know, in the past, especially in recent years, we've seen music documentaries come out about artists, um, the Sugar Man documentary, the Anvil documentary, and what will happen is that the artists themselves will find themselves, their careers resurrected in a certain sense. The interest in them grows again. And yeah. I'm saying have always been a band to me that always always been kind of like one step away from a certain level of stardom. They've always been consistently great. They've always been consistently popular with their fan base, but there was just like one little extra thing that was just needed to kind of just pop them just back up into our next plateau. My hope is, and I'm sure yours is as well, and I'll, and all other Armored Saint fans who know just how good the quality of the music is. I mean, their latest albums, I'm going to say, I, I think are some of their strongest materials they've ever done. Like I think the album they did a couple of um, several years back was just fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, my hope is, and I'm sure yours is as well, is that when this documentary comes out, and it's as good as I, I believe it is going to be, and that it will bring up an interest again in the band and that people will start looking into them again and then it will, like, just prop them up a little more. Is that one thing, Is that what you're hoping will be as well? Not only are you hoping for, um, you know, people to have a good reaction to the film, which I'm sure they will, but that that kind of, like, reaction to the film will also mean that the band themselves will find themselves put back in the spotlight again, so to speak? I think... What the film will do is, like you said, is all of those things, but it will reaffirm to people that this band are still legendary and that their story is valid. So, so what my, my serious hope is that the Queensryche fans watch it, the Anthrax fans watch it, the Metallica fans watch it. They then want to go watch that band perform. You know, I, I agree totally, and I think that... You know, if people take the, them seriously and realise that this band are as valid as they were when they first discovered them in 1984 or 86, I, yeah, it would have a, a magical outcome. But they they deserve to be on big stages playing with amazing bands, you know, like destroying rooms, you know, playing to people. But I think that they came to a realization that they do this because they enjoy doing it and they've stopped stardom chasing. And I, and I think that's a very mature thing to do is stop chasing stardom. So, you know, like uh, as a filmmaker, I'm not chasing stardom. I'm making films because I want to make them. Uh, they do the same as artists. I think art, the art of creativity is not about fame, but I do think that, people will appreciate them because the you know that are new you know like there's always new people coming to genres you know like you, you look at a band like iron maiden their audience is sort of 13 to 65 mm. you know and and that that i hope that can happen for i'm saying that you know the kids coming up see it you know, and it's not just their fans of the last 40 years, but it's like new people get. So if a whole new generation discovered them because of this film and the hooks of these people that are in it, then that that will do wonders for them and it will sustain them and keep them moving forward. But it's become a very bizarre world, the music industry. It's, it's not about records anymore, is it? It's about live performances and merchandise and standing next to your favourite rock star, having a picture taken and getting scalped, you know, in the process. But, I mean, even 
if you if you do a little bit of online reading, everybody says the best VIP experience that you can get with a band is with Armoured Saint because they spend time with people, they make it worthwhile, they're you know, they're incredibly kind, knowledgeable to their fans, you know, and that that's another testament to who they are as people. They're real caring, kind human beings, and yeah, yeah, I don't but. I I know that the, the band uh, feel that if the right people see this, that then you know it will be a great thing for them, you know. And their support towards me has been amazing. So you know they they let me have anything that I needed. So yeah, I I can't praise them highly enough. And I'm sure when they see our conversation, they'll be, they'll appreciate what you said too. So for everyone out there listening. May 23 at the Harmony Gold Theatre in Los Angeles. Armoured Saint, a band of brothers world premiere. Like I said, you can go to Eventbrite. You can buy tickets there. I'll have the link to with the ticket page in my show notes because we want to have people there. We want people to watch it. We want yeah. the word to go around that this documentary is uh, is premiering. It's going to be coming out. Um, it's in just let people know about the mighty Armoured Saint, about their story, about their music, um, and about the documentary. And I got to say, Russell, thank you so very much for your time today. I think you and I got in touch like maybe a, a couple of years back, just talking about this and such. It's so great that this is happening. The film's coming out. I know it's been a labor of love for you. So congratulations to you. Um, best of luck with the upcoming premiere. And thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Cheers. All the best. Take care.